following message is from the audio ministry of Coastal Community Church. We trust you'll find it helpful and encouraging. Now, here's Pastor Chris Rollins. Good morning, I'm Pastor Chris. Great to have you with us today. We are excited about next Sunday and a lot of exciting things happen in Easter weekend. Um, Friday night, man, use that to your advantage, Friday night. Uh, I know a lot of times friends and family uh, kind of have plans, you know, even if they're not believers, sometimes they have plans on Easter weekend or Easter Sunday, uh, maybe going out to brunch or seeing friends or family or something. Um, but uh, so leverage Friday night, use that to your advantage and uh, invite them to come. Uh, one of the things that's uh, going on uh, over Easter weekend is we've got several people that are getting baptized. And uh, if you'd like to uh, join in uh, the celebration and uh, take that next step in your journey of faith, uh, let us know on the back of your Connect card this morning. It says, I would like to be baptized during an Easter service. And it's got the 7 p.m., the 8 a.m., 9.30 a.m., 11.15 a.m. You just check the box that you're interested uh, in getting baptized and let us know about that. And um, we're, it's just going to be a great, great weekend. Um, so if there was ever um, a perfect time for you uh, and I to talk about um, our faith and to make an impact. You know, that's been our theme uh, for this year, the word impact. And uh, last year, it was our year ago, it was one. This year, it's impact, although they kind of go together because we say the best way to make an impact is one life at a time. In fact, turn around, look back there at our impact board. We had three more people give their life to Jesus last week. And uh, so we've got um, 31, uh, 31 stickers up there on our uh, salvation board. We're excited about that. Uh, but if there was ever a perfect time, you know, for you and I to continue to make that ongoing impact where we live, work, and play, to reach out to our friends and neighbors and coworkers and, and family members, to the people that God has placed in our lives, uh, it really is this week. Now, part of making an ongoing impact uh, involves in having, you know, spiritual conversations with people, uh, having conversations about your faith and about how real life intersects with faith and what a difference Jesus has made in your life and what impact uh, the church has made. Now, if you've been a Christian for any length of time, you know that for the most part, we're not very good at those conversations sometimes. Uh, we're really not. You know, we tend not to share very well. We kind of stumble over ourselves, you know. Sometimes we even are known to get a little defensive, uh, a little argumentative. And uh, we don't say what we want to say, you know. We get nervous. And so today, uh, the week before Easter... I want us to talk about how we can improve a little bit on having those spiritual conversations. You know, having those moments where we can uh, talk about our faith with the people in our lives. Uh, in fact, if you're here today and you don't really consider yourself a believer, uh, you're kind of checking things out, you were invited, you just kind of, you know, you're searching, whatever you want to call that, um, you should appreciate that we're talking about this today because you know of all people that we do need to get uh, better at this. Well, the good news is that there is no better model of anything than Jesus. I mean, he was the perfect teacher, the perfect model, and he really was a master at having those spiritual conversations with folks. And uh, so today, we're going to look at uh, one of the conversations that he had uh, with a woman in John chapter 4. Now, we typically uh, refer to this woman as the woman at the well. And I want to talk about six things 
that I think we can see here and that we can learn from Jesus if we want to improve in having those spiritual conversations, you know, with our friends and family and neighbors and, again, all those people that God has strategically put in our lives. So if you're taking notes, number one, um, if we're going to improve, we've got to break through some barriers. We've got to break through some barriers. I, I really believe that one of the reasons why we probably don't have more of these kinds of conversations is that there are some barriers that we need to get past. In fact, even in this story, you'll see that Jesus had to break through some barriers in order to have a conversation with this woman. Uh, Look what happened. It's in John chapter 4, verses 6 through 9. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well around noontime. Soon, a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. Wow. So there's a lot of barriers there, and uh, Jesus had to break through them. Um, Right there, the Bible tells us that Jews, you know, typically didn't talk to Samaritans. Uh, There were actually two cultures that lived right alongside of each other, but they hated each other. Okay, they hated each other. The Jews considered Samaritans uh, a mixed race, half-breeds. And uh, Jesus breaks through that barrier, and he has a conversation with this woman. Now, there's another barrier right there. He was a rabbi, and as a Jewish rabbi, he was not even supposed to be talking to women at all. Okay, it was just one of the rules. But Jesus talks to her. And he opens up, and he starts to have this conversation with her. Now, I don't know if you noticed another barrier there, but um, the Bible says that uh, Jesus was tired from a long walk. And I don't know about you, but when I'm tired, um, I don't want to talk to anybody, (laughs) okay? Um, You know, I I really don't feel like, you know, having a a deep spiritual conversation. I just want to relax. And, you know, okay, in this story, sure, if you want to bring me a drink, fine, but don't make me talk to you, okay? Um, that's, That's just the reality, But Jesus opens up with her, uh, in spite of being tired, breaks all these barriers. Listen, if you're going to have conversations about faith, you got to break down some barriers. Um, There are relational barriers. You know, is it it okay to talk about this? And, you know, there's some emotional barriers because, you know, you're talking about the one thing that's, you know, the most important thing to you. And I don't know about you, but when you're talking about that that important thing, it's very easy, you know, to get emotional. Uh, There's some psychological barriers you got to break through of, you know, being concerned about how they're going to receive this conversation. And probably the greatest barrier you've got to break through is just more on a personal level, you know, okay, what are they going to think about me? You know, if I, if I talk about my faith, if I invite them to church, and if I bring up spiritual things, you know, are they, are they going to think I'm a Jesus freak? Oh, you know, you're one of those people. Truthfully, hear me out. It's time that you just get over yourself, <laughs> Okay? And just stop worrying so much about what other people think about you. You know, the reality is they don't think about you as much as you think they do. And you got to get to the point where you're just kind of comfortable in your own skin, you know, where you're just just fine with who you are. 
You know, there is so much freedom in just recognizing, you know what, this is who I am, you know, Take it or leave it. This is, this is who I am. And, and, the, and the reality is I believe that, you know, Jesus has changed my life. And I don't mind talking about him. And I don't mind letting people know about it. You know, if you can't talk about your faith and spiritual matters and how that intersects with real life, uh, you know, about what God's doing in your life, listen to me. You're going to miss out on a lot of opportunities. And so Jesus breaks through all of those barriers. And he, and he starts a conversation with this woman in, in the most simplest of ways, he basically says, hey, I'm thirsty. Would you give me something to drink? Not very complicated, okay? Not a lot to that. He just opens the door to a conversation. He wasn't even supposed to be talking to her. But he asked her for a drink. So he opens that door, and she responds. Now, she could have said no. I mean, she could have just handed him something to drink without ever saying anything to him, but she starts to talk to him. And you discover that the truth is, she wanted to have a conversation. She was searching. And when you open the door to a conversation in faith, you just don't know what might happen. You you are opening yourself up to some amazing things starting to happen. Okay? So that's where it begins. You just break through some barriers, you push through in faith, and then number two, you learn to listen. You learn to listen. If you want to have you know, a spiritual conversation with a friend, you've got to learn to listen. All throughout this conversation, it's obvious that Jesus is really listening to her. He is hearing her questions. He's watching her body language. And because he hears her questions, he's then able to address her real need. Okay, John 4, verse 9. She said to Jesus, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. You know, why are you even asking me for a drink? You know, in other words, why are you even talking to me? And so he hears her. And he's able to respond. You know what? When you really listen to somebody else and where they're at, what you are actually communicating to that person is, you matter to me. You're important. Listening says, you know what? I'm I'm willing to start where you're at, not where I'm at. Listening says you care. You know, there's that old saying many of you are familiar with, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you what? Care. And when you listen, when when you and I really listen to people where they're at, it actually shows that you care about them. And this is a skill, by the way, that we need to develop and and grow in every area of our life. You know, you want a better marriage? You want to be a better husband, a a better spouse, a better wife? Then you've got to be a better listener. You want to be a better parent, then you've got to be a better listener to your children. You want to do better at work, well, you've got to be a better listener. In fact, an article in Harvard Business Review said this, if you're a manager, listen to this, if you're a manager, 80% of your effectiveness is in this one skill of listening. Effective listeners always listen between the lines in search of meaning that's not necessarily in the spoken word. So you're looking at people's eyes. You see their body language. In doing so, you are listening. Listening to people means that you're focusing on their needs and not on what you're going to say next. Now the problem is, though, 
is that most of us, we tend to view conversations that we have with people as a chess match to win, right? As a game to dominate. And so, and so instead of just you know, really paying attention to what's going on in people's lives and what they're saying, and really watching their, you know, their body language and how they're responding, what are we doing the whole time? We're just planning our next move. You know, we're just planning you know, what we're going to say. We're just listening for that opportunity to jump in. Instead of that, we gotta start listening more to their needs, you know, what they're going through. And we gotta speak less. Speak less. In fact, 1 Peter 3, 15 and 16, typically we know verse 15. If you're ever asked about your Christian hope, yes, always be ready to explain it. But then listen to this. But you must do this in a what? A gentle and respectful way. Gentle, humble, respectful. Respecting the other person's needs. Being able to listen and and respecting their opinion. Respecting their ideas, their questions. That's listening. That's listening. So, again, if you're going to have conversations with people, you know, if you really believe that God has strategically placed you where you're at for a reason, for a season, that you and I are missionaries, then you got to be willing to push through barriers. You got to really begin to listen. And then, number three, you got to talk about real life. You got to talk about real life. You know, the truth is, God wants to make a difference in our everyday, real lives. So you got to talk about that and how faith intersects that. Now, let's be honest. Sometimes, when we're talking to people, you know, and, and faith comes up and spiritual things come up, sometimes something happens to us, and it just seems like we become a different person. You know, we're, we're, we're talking to a friend, you know, things, you know, the conversation's going pretty good, you know, maybe talking about our kids playing soccer, or the weather, or March Madness, or the weekend, you're just having a normal conversation. And then your friend says something like this, hey, you take your kids to church, don't you? You know, maybe, you know, my kids could go with you sometime. And then you freak out. You know, you're like, okay, here it is, you know. And you look at them and you say, would you like to be justified, sanctified, glorified by the precious blood of the Lamb? <laughs> you know, I mean, so seriously, something like that. And then they're like, they look at you and they're like, wow, what happened to my friend, you loony whack job? You know, what happened? Listen to me, you, you got to hear this. You do not have to become a, a preacher in, in, in order to talk about faith. And, you know, people don't want to hear from preachers, and I'm one of them. You know, I'm a preacher. I know that. You know, people look at preachers. People basically look at me as one level above or, be, above or below, like a used car salesman. Seriously. You know, an insurance salesman. People don't want that. You know, they want to hear about real life. They want, they want to hear, you know. How you deal with things, you know, in times of, you know, tension and trouble and transition and, and uh, you know, how your faith intersects with all of that. And so in, in this conversation that Jesus had, you know what's interesting to me? He's the one that wants to talk about real life. And you know what she does? And, and, and so many people do this, and we do it so often. She just wanted to talk about religion. Because religion is easy. You know, Jesus wants to talk about life because this is where God is. 
And God wants to make a difference in real life. Look at these verses, verses 16 through 19. Go and get your husband, Jesus told her. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, yeah, you're right. You don't have a husband. For you've had five husbands, and you aren't even married to the man you're living with right now. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. And then look what she does. Listen to this. So tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship while we Samaritans claim that it's over here in Mount Gerizim, I mean, you know, where our ancestors worshiped? What'd she do? I mean, she just, man, she just changed the subject, didn't she? You know, Jesus brings up everyday real life, and, but she doesn't say, so Jesus, tell me. You're right. I mean, why, why have I had five, five husbands? You know, what's wrong with me? You know, how can, I, how can I change this? Instead, she just talks about religion. She says, well, why do you guys worship in Jerusalem? And, you know, uh, we Samaritans worship over here on this, on this mountain. He's talking to her about marriage, and she wants to talk about mountains. You know, it, it's, it's so much easier just to talk about religion than it is to talk about you know, real life. Because real life gets down to real needs. You know, it's also interesting to me that this woman didn't feel like Jesus was condemning her. How do people feel like when they talk to you? When faith comes up. When church comes up. When your past comes up. I mean, she actually continues the conversation. You know, somehow when he starts talking about life and her marriages and relationships and struggles, she obviously felt like he understands. You know, not only did he know what she was going through, he understood and, and he understood what her life was really like. And instead of getting involved in a theology class or in an argument, he just talks to her about real life. Let me tell you something. The truth is, everybody that you talk to is just as messed up as you are. And sometimes that's another barrier that we got to press through. And we forget that we're no better than anybody else. And if you'll just, you know, realize that, if you'll, you know, push through some of those barriers and you'll just open your ears and really start listening and talking less, you're going to have all, all kinds of opportunities to really talk about real life. Number four, at some point you gotta extend an invitation. Extend an invitation. You know, at some point in this conversation, you pass along an invitation that Jesus really does offer life. I mean, real life. And Jesus, as he's talking to this woman there, you know, they're talking about water and he eventually invites her to experience something very different than she's ever known before. Verses 10 and 11. Jesus replied, If you only knew the gift of God, the gift God has for you and who I am, then you would ask me and I would give you living water. But sir, you don't, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said, and, and this well you know, here is really deep. Where would you get this living water? So Jesus, you know, can tell that she's starting to connect. 
And she's got questions. She wants to keep talking. So he explains it, verses 13 and 14. Jesus replied, people soon become thirsty again after drinking this water, you know, the water that, that you're offering me, but the water that I give them. It takes away thirst altogether. It becomes this perpetual spring within them, giving them eternal life. So Jesus is talking about needs in her life that have never been met, needs that he's willing to meet. He starts talking to her about eternal life, and, and uh, he uses this illustration, this picture here, very simple, of living water. Now, you know, don't over-spiritualize that. Jesus is basically saying, listen, you know what? There is a thirst in you. You know, by the way, that's true of everybody in this room, and I don't know your story, and I don't know what you came here with, but I do know this. If you're seeking, you know, to try to fill that void in your life, that hole in your heart, he, Jesus is basically saying, yes, there is a thirst in you that, that nothing else can quench except a relationship with Jesus. That's basically what he's telling this woman. You know that faith is not a, a subject that you study. It's not religion. It's a relationship that you experience. And so he's challenging her. Hey, take a drink. Start this relationship. And see, you and I have that same opportunity because if you start praying for people and you're living out your faith and you're listening and you'll push through those barriers, listen, when you start talking about real life, then man, you can make the hook that Jesus is the one who fills that void in your life, that thing that you're searching for. It's not relationships, it's not drugs, it's not alcohol, it's not stuff, it's not the things of this life, it's Jesus. If you're thirsty, you don't study the properties of H2O you take a drink of water. And so when you realize that you, you have a need for forgiveness and hope, you don't study religion. You start a relationship with Jesus. And so that's what he invites her into. And Coastal, listen to me for a second. That is what he's giving us the privilege of doing as well. Of extending those invitations to that, that same relationship, that relationship with Jesus. You see, giving an invitation is really about, it's about sharing your faith. You know, talking about, you know, real life and, and what a difference Jesus has made and sharing, you know, your story. That's what it's all about. It's not about you convincing someone else. It's not about you arguing with other people. It's about inviting people. You know, God does the convincing. You don't have to do that. You just get to do the inviting. You know, it's like when you invite somebody to a birthday party or to a wedding. You know, the cool thing about that is, um, you know, you're passing out invitations to people you know so that they'll know. Well, guess what, guys? We get to invite people to Jesus' party. We do. Jesus is throwing a party, the greatest party of all eternity. And he says, hey, would you do me a favor? Would you help me out here? Would you, would you pass out some invitations so that everybody you know will know? I want, them th I want them there too. I want them to know. I don't want just you there. I want everybody there. So will you pass out the invitations? We get to do that. Now, you know what? Here's what I think. Man, there's nothing better than passing out an invitation to somebody else's party. 
I mean, that's awesome. I mean, if you pass out an invitation to your party, you know, you know if I'm passing out an invitation to my party, you got to do all the work, right? If it's your party, you got to do all the work. You got to cook all the food. You got to do all the preparations. You got to get the venue all together. I mean, whatever. You got to get the house ready for the guests. If I pass out invitations to somebody else's party, guess what? They have to do all the work. That's awesome. You know, guess what? We're passing out invitations to Jesus's party. He did all the work. You know, he died on the cross so that we can be forgiven. He resurrected from the dead so that we can have new life. And he basically just says, and he leaves this to all of his followers. He says, listen, we just let everybody know for me. Pass out the invitations. Matthew 22 verse 9 says this, go to the street corners and what? Invite to the banquet anyone you find, everybody. Listen, there, you know, there is no one that you're ever going to meet that Jesus doesn't want you to invite to the party. Jesus, Jesus invites everyone. Now listen to this, especially the people who feel like they don't matter. He, he invites everyone. He wants everyone to come to the party, especially the people who feel like they're on the outside, especially the people who feel like they could never darken the door of a church because, oh my goodness, if I come to the church, you know, the, the walls are going to come crashing in. He especially wants those people invited. Luke 5, 30 and 32 from the message. Listen to this. The Pharisees and their religion scholars came to his disciples greatly offended. Now, why were these religious people offended? It says, what is he doing eating and drinking with crooks and sinners? What's he doing? Why are these people, why are they even been invited to the party? Jesus heard about it and he spoke up. Listen to what he said. Who needs a doctor? Who needs a doctor, right? The healthy or the sick? And then Jesus said this, I'm here inviting who? Outsiders outsiders, not insiders, an invitation to a changed life, changed inside and out. Coastal, that's the invitation that we get to pass along, that, that genuine invitation that changes lives. It, it's this invitation to a personal relationship with God. It's not about church attendance. It's not about religion. It's an invitation to, to experience God's promise of faith and hope and forgiveness and love that only comes through Jesus. It is the best invitation that any of us are ever going to get and that any of us are ever going to get to extend. 2 Peter 1.3 as well from the message, everything that goes into a life of pleasing God has been miraculously given to us by getting to know personally and intimately the one who what? Invited us to God, the best invitation we've ever received. He's saying, listen, you're inviting people into a relationship. He says, a, a life of getting to know personally and intimately God. And let me tell you something. There is, there is still no better time of the year to invite people than on Easter weekend. It's, it's, it's true. I mean, we, we're still, barely, but we are still living in a time when you can have the opportunity to leverage Easter weekend for the kingdom. Because there's still people in your life that almost kind of expect that someone might invite them you know, to church or to something religious, at least in their mind, over Easter weekend. 
You know, they'll check that box, that little spiritual box in their mind because, well, you know, that's what people do on Easter and that's what, you know, Christians do. They invite people to come. And so, you know, they invite people to come and uh, they, maybe they just check the box. But you know what? Maybe, just maybe, they come to a place like Coastal and they're going to be introduced to the one who gave them all. They're going to be introduced to Jesus. And here at Coastal, you know, this week, guys, We've given you all kinds of uh, tools to invite people, you know, to church. Ryan uh, referenced a couple of them there. You know, inside your bulletin today, there are a couple of tickets. We had tickets there last week. These aren't for you. These are invitation tools for you to give to somebody. You know, here at, at our staff, we have staff meetings on Monday morning, and we pull out the, we pull out the big, giant uh, whiteboard uh, a couple of weeks ago, and we wrote everybody's name who's on staff here at Coastal, and then we wrote down five blanks underneath everybody's name. And I said, okay, I want five names of people that you're inviting to Easter Sunday. And we wrote everybody's names down that, that people you know, have in their lives, and we're praying you know, for those people each week, and each week we get a report on, hey, how's it going? You know, have you reached out to your five? You know, did you make an invitation? What did they say? How's it going? And we pray for them. Who are your five? Who are your three, your ten? You know, is it possible you could fill a, you know, a whole row you know, Easter weekend? In fact, uh, on your Connect card this morning, uh, on the back of your Connect card, uh, there's an opportunity for you uh, to write down the names of the people uh, that you're inviting. Uh, I will invite the following people to one of our Easter services. You write down uh, their names, we'll add their names to our big list, and we'll pray for them this week. Guys, you just never know, you know the power of a simple invitation. Somebody once invited me to church, and it changed my life. It changed my life. The next thing that Jesus teaches us as we walk through this conversation is really something that happens to us. Number five, you receive joy. You receive joy. Now, what's interesting is that while all this is going on, while Jesus is having this, I mean, real conversation with this woman, the disciples, you might remember, they went into town to get some food, okay? So they come back and uh, you know, they see that Jesus has been having this conversation with this woman, a Samaritan woman, and by this point in the conversation, it's already progressed to the point where she's recognized that Jesus is the Messiah, that he's the Savior. And so she's made a commitment. I mean, her heart's been changed. And, and so they're kind of freaking out, wondering what in the world's happened. You know, they bring back food, and they've got it for Jesus, and uh, it seems like he doesn't even want to eat. Okay, so look what happens, beginning in verse 31. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging Jesus, Rabbi, eat something. But Jesus replied, listen, I've got a kind of food that you know nothing about. Did someone bring him food while we were gone? The disciples asked each other. And then Jesus explained, don't you see, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. So, I mean, this is hilarious. The disciples are thinking, hey, we went and we got Chick-fil-A. And, uh, you know, we brought it back, and he don't want to eat it. I mean, who brought him Taco Bell? I mean, that's basically, you know, what's going on here. And uh, Jesus says, no, you're missing it. Listen, I I'm not hungry right now because, man, I am filled up by what's happened. You know, it, it's, it's, he's, he's talking about the conversation here with this woman. You know, he's been talking to her about faith, and, and, and he sees her coming to this place where she understands who he is, and that he can meet all of her needs. And he says, listen, I am filled up. I'm not hungry right now. And you know what I think he's doing? He's showing us the joy of sharing your faith. I mean, anytime 
you know, I'm, I'm talking to somebody and, uh, and they say, as a follower of Jesus, as a believer, you know what, Pastor Chris, I'm just, you know, I just don't have a lot of joy right now in my life. I, I don't have any joy anymore, you know? Well, the truth is, there could be a lot of reasons for that. I mean, there really could. But the first place I think to always check is, are you sharing with anybody else? Are you reaching out to anybody else? Because the most common reason I think we lose our joy is we stop sharing. You know, we take in, we take in, we receive, we receive, but we're not giving out. What did Jesus say? Listen, guys, he said it's living water. It's living water. It's supposed to flow through your lives and not just to your life. So when, when you stop sharing, you stop having joy. You stop feel, feeling fulfilled and, and filled up. You know, if you've been thinking to yourself, well, you know what? I think I'm just going to make Easter about me and Jesus this year. Listen, you're going to miss out on the real joy of Easter because it's about Jesus and God so loved who? The world. The world. That he gave his one and only son. Jesus loved this whole world. And I'm telling you something. That's how you experience joy. That's how you experience meaning and fulfillment and the joy of Easter. Now, there's a sixth thing that I think we can learn from this conversation with Jesus. And it's really something that he taught his disciples at the very end. Number six, expect that God is going to work. Expect that God will work. That's what Jesus teaches his disciples to do in this moment. To expect that God is going to work even in the most unexpected of ways. You see, here, here's what happens. We're just having a conversation. You know, we're listening. We push through some barriers. We're talking about real life and our faith. Well, we've got to remember something. It's not just you at work. God is the one who's really at work. You're just joining into the conversation. That's all. You're just extending the invitation. God's the one that's, who's at work. You know, so because he's been a part of it from the very beginning, and you know what? He's going to continue working in it. And you're going to be amazed at what he does. Look at verses 35 through 36. You know the saying Jesus says, uh, four months between the planting and the harvest? But I say, wake up. Wake up. Look around. The fields are already ripe for harvest. The harvesters are paid good wages, and the fruit they harvest is people brought to eternal life. And then what does he say? What joy awaits both the planter and the harvester alike. Basically, what Jesus is saying there is like, listen, disciples, look around you. God's up to something. He's doing something now. And Coastal, listen to me. Look around you. Week after week after week, God is doing something. He's working. You know, when we don't expect that God will work, when we don't have faith, when we don't believe that he wants to use us, what do we do? We do nothing. That's what we do. We wait. Well, you know, God's not really up to anything right now. And, you know, my friends, my family, my neighbors, they're not really ready. And, you know, I don't feel like I really know enough. I'm not ready. So what do you do as a result of all that? Nothing. That's what? You just wait. Listen to me. The truth is people are a lot more ready to receive it than you are to share it most of the time. And if they say no to an invitation, if they cut off the conversation, they can say no. 
That's all right. But how do you know they're going to say no unless you ask, unless you invite, unless you share, unless you love, unless you serve? Man, that's the only way you find out. And listen to me, even when you don't see it, even if they do say no, you've got to have faith to believe that God is still going to use the conversation, that he's still going to use the invitation. After all, it's God's invitation. It's his party. You're just passing it along. He's, he was at work before you got started. He was at work while you were doing it, and he's going to continue to work when you're done. It's his party. So you invite, you love, you share, you have those conversations expecting, not in what you can do, but what in God can do. Either way, guess what? He's still at work. And he worked through this woman that day. Listen to this. This woman who just, just put her faith in Jesus, verse 39, many, many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, he told me everything I ever did. Listen, that very day, this woman then goes back to her town, okay? This woman, okay, the woman who basically was that woman in the town, who had a past, who had a history, everybody knew about it, okay? So that woman goes back to her town, and she just starts sharing with people, she tells her story. She tells about Jesus, the man that she met. And then she brings a bunch of people back with her. And guess what happens? Many of them come to know Jesus. Oh my goodness, think about this. Again, this woman leads more people to faith in Jesus on this one day than all the rest of Jesus' 12 disciples had up to this point. I mean, remember, the disciples go back to town, and what do they bring back with them? Lunch, food, that's it. She's not even one day old yet as a believer, and she leads the whole town back to faith. Wow. Wow. Listen, this is a great reminder. You don't have to be a, you know, a, a long-time mature believer to know all the, you know, the answers, all the questions, to, to pass along, just to extend an invitation. You just got to be one step. Just one step ahead of other people. In fact, let me say this. Many times, sadly, it's better if you're a brand new believer because you still have lost friends. And, and sadly, the truth is, the longer people are believers, for many of them, the less likely they still have friends who don't know Jesus because they have, they've excluded themselves. They've excluded other people and they've, they've cloistered themselves. And, 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 and we get to a point where we become just like the Pharisees and the religious leaders you know, who don't have friends who don't know Jesus. And we've forgotten that Jesus didn't come you know, for the healthy. He came for the sick and we were sick. Listen, again, you don't have to know everything to extend an invitation. You just got to know that God is real and he's made a difference in your life. Coastal, God wants to use you right now. Right now. This week. You know, expect. Have faith that he can use you. And have faith that God is working. 
He is working. You know, that, that's the point that Jesus was making to these disciples here at the end of this conversation. God's not working someday. He's working now. He's working now. And he wants to use you. Coastal, he wants to use us this week. You know, who, who do you know? Who are you bringing? It's going to be the greatest party of all time. It is. It already is. Jesus has already won. He already has the victory. He, he doesn't have it next week. He's got it now. He's had it for 2,000 years. The party is, is in process. And we still get to invite, extend the invitation. Listen, have those conversations. Push through those barriers. You know, talk about real faith, real life, and how, it, you know, how, it, how it's impacted you. Pray for people and, and just expect that God's working. Extend that invitation. We've given you the tools. The truth is you don't even have to have a ticket. You don't have to have a, a card. You know, just have a conversation. Let me close with asking you this question, though. What about you? Have you said yes to the invitation I mean, the party's in process. The party's going on right now. Jesus has won. He has the victory. You know, and call it whatever you want. You can call it a thirst in your life. You can call it an emptiness. You can call it, you know, just this hole in your heart. But I'm telling you, what are you trying to fill it with? Because you know by now that there's nothing of this world that can fill that hole and, and, and close that gap in your heart, give you meaning, give you significance, nothing. Not stuff, not people, not relationships, and not religion. It is a personal relationship with God made possible through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth and I'm the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Have you said yes to that invitation? He's extending it. We're offering it. It's from him. We just get to pass it along. And saying yes means that you personally have received it. That you've accepted it and you've acted on it. You've asked Christ to come into your life to forgive you. You've declared that he is the boss now. He is your savior. He's your Lord, your CEO, the manager of your life. And now for the rest of your days, you just want to follow him. You want to become more and more like God looks at you now when you accept Christ in your life. When he comes in, he pays for all of your sin. He fills that hole. He quenches that thirst. Have you taken a drink? You can do that now. You can do it today. I'd like to step you through that. Bow your heads and pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, God, today, I thank you for your word. I thank you for that eternal living water. And God, I believe just like each and every Sunday, each and every week, God, there are people in this room who have not yet experienced real, lasting, eternal life. They've been trying to fill that void, trying to make up for that, uh, that debt of sin in their life, fill it up with so many other things. You know, people, the toys of this world, relationships, experiences, and even religion. Listen, nothing fills it up except for Jesus.
pour out your heart to him right here and right now and pray something like this. Dear Heavenly Father, today I want to come home. God, I do believe. I believe that Jesus is your son. I believe that he went to a cross to pay the debt of my sin. I believe that he rose from the dead and he is alive. And today, God, I put my faith and my trust in him and him alone and what he did for me. I begin today that personal relationship with you through Christ, through my faith in him, not me, not the things of this world, but him and him alone. And now, God, I just want to I just want to thank you with my very life. And Father, I pray for next Sunday. I pray for all the people we're going to be extending those invitations to, passing them along to the greatest party of all time. And God, just help us to have faith that, you'll, that you are working and that you're going to continue to work. It's your job to convince. It's your job to convict. Our job is just to pass along the invitations. We love you, Father. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to a message from Pastor Chris Rollins of Coastal Community Church. For more information about Coastal or to explore what your next step of faith might look like, check us out online at coastalcommunitychurch.org. From Pastor Chris and the family at Coastal Community Church, thanks for listening.